0: It says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man, but he laid his right hand on me and said, fear not, for I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I live forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. So Lord, we gather together here in this place, Lord, let us behold you. Let us behold the great I Am, the one who, who called out to the disciples in the midst of a storm and said, stop being afraid. The great I Am is here. Lord, we gather here and stand before you the only way we can because you died and rose again to defeat death and you have called us into your eternal life. Speak, your servants are listening, that you might conform us into the image of your Son. For the fame and the glory of his name, we pray these things. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of the word.
1: Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me even though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day.
0: This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
1: I am me. I am am not them. I am a creative person i am a sports nut i'm a workaholic i am the
0: bread of life i am sometimes a bit weird
1: i'm not as weird as you might think
0: i am one of those people who need people to know that i don't care what they think i'm one of those people
1: who doesn't want to be alone
0: i am hungry i am thirsty i feel this need in me but nothing seems to satisfy I work not play
1: no matter what i try i am hungry
0: bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the bread of life. Amen, amen. Hey, open up your Bibles to John chapter 6. I am excited to get after this study that we're in, um, looking at the I am's of Scripture. I just could not think of a better way to kind of go into um, the holiday season, walking into Christmas, um, other than fixing our eyes on Jesus. And what was so interesting about it is, guys, that, that even what we just experienced over the last 45 minutes or so in our prayer time just confirmed in my own heart um, how desperately we need to look on Jesus. Because times are hard, and, and, and we know that the last 18 months or so has been, um, has been some of the harder months we have been in as a culture, and, and it's not getting easier. Many of you are having to make really hard decisions right now about places of employment, about what to do and not to do, and guys, I I can think of nothing better to do, honestly, than than look on Jesus, and and let him lead us in where he would have us be, and and as we walk into the Christmas season where we celebrate his advent, um, what an amazing time we're going to have, so we're looking at these seven I am statements, because Jesus reveals his identity multiple times throughout scripture, but most affirmatively in these I am's. In the Greek, it says ego ami. He's saying I am the I am. And there's no, dis- there's no doubting that he is claiming to be God. And so we're going to walk through these seven I am's that you can see um, beautifully displayed. By the way, I just, again, what an amazing um, thing that that... Not only did all this happen in a couple of days, and I forgot to mention Mark, who, by, who like the video and the, and, and the projectors and the whole thing, like he was here for hours throughout all of last week making all this happen. But guys, here's, here's one of the cool things about it too. Like literally, almost, almost, well about 90% of what you see and, and even can't see, we either already owned as a church and it was just in storage, or we literally found it next to a dumpster. Like, like, I mean, I just, God just provided it, and so, 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 not only is it really cool, but it was really cheap, and I love that. You know, if those of you that know me, thanks for not saying amen, but. Um, because it it was just totally God's provision. But as we're walking through and why those things are displayed the way they are on that circle um, is at the bottom there, there's the wheat, I am the bread of life. Then it's I am the light of the world. Then the next one is I am the gate or the door, depending on your translation. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The cross is I am the resurrection and the life. And the last one we will look at in those seven I am's is I am the vine. And so we're going to work our way around the circle looking at this idea of him being the I am. Because that is how he reveals himself. And I love how a few people prayed, more than one, prayed about identity. Because, guys, we have talked a lot about shame and shaming and how the enemy uses that that to, to try to get us to change our identity from what Christ has called us to be. And Christ's identity is the I am. And because he is the I am, I am who he says I am. Right, And so one of the things that we made available to you in your, in your bulletin that kind of exploded when you opened it today is there's a long handout like this that has a list of here are just some of the ways Christ calls you. Because guys, we want our identity to flow out of his identity. Right, because because what's happening now in identity politics, and I'm not just talking about the LBGTQ stuff, I'm talking about just who who we really say we are in our schools, in our workplaces, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our communities. We want our identity to be informed and transformed by his identity. The world wants us to identify ourselves. We want our identity to flow from him. Now, but we also don't want to lose our identity in him. And, and, I, and what I mean by that is each one of you is fearfully and wonderfully made, uniquely so. John talked about that, like it seems like a long time ago now, I guess it was over an hour ago, when he was up here doing the welcome. Each of you has been uniquely gifted by God. So we don't want to all become copycat versions of each other. We want to see the image of Christ pressed into us even as the image he has created us to be is maintained and so as we look at the seven i am's get your identity your definition of self from his definition of you a couple other things that as we walk through this the seven i am's we made available to you in your bulletin are um, one is just a little a little Card, piece of paper that you can actually use to invite people in because the world, guys, is the world has always been in need of Jesus. The world now is in need of finding their right identity in Christ. And so find some people that you can invite in to this journey as we're walking through Christmas. 80%, guys, 80%, even in our culture today, 80% of people surveyed say they would attend church if someone they knew and trusted would bring them. Right? So, so it's not just, hey, hand this to the Starbucks person. It's somebody that you've started building a relationship with, which in my case might be the Starbucks person. But, and you say, hey, how about if we meet at my church at 10 o'clock next Sunday? Right? 80% of people said that they would attend if someone they trusted and knew would invite them. So that's part of what this is for. And then this is so you can start marking your calendar, the, long, the bigger one, is so you can start marking your calendar for some of the fun things we have planned during the holiday season because there are some um, really fun times we're going to have. For example, um, one of the things we're going to do for the second time ever is we're going to have Christmas Eve dinner here together. And so I don't know that we actually officially voted on that as elders, but since we did it last year, I think it was, it was just, it wasn't something new, right? So I guess I can say that without, um, I sent it an email. If you don't check your emails, guys, it's not my fault. Um, but um, anyway, so lots of exciting things going on. But ultimately, what it really is about is about fixing our eyes on Christ. So as we transition into today's message, um, all of that was just introduction. We're looking at, "I am the bread of life." That was that's the first I am statement. You just heard Caitlin beautifully read it. "I am the bread of life, guys." Here's the question or the training thought for today: How's your appetite? How is your appetite? And so if you would, open up your Bibles to John chapter 6, and we're going to see, it's, it's on, your, um, on your training worksheet. It's, it's on the, the outline is on your training worksheet. But we're going to look at, here are the things. Are you, first part of the passage, and we're going to go through the passage quickly, are you looking at Lunchables? Right? Are you feasting on frozen food? Are you forever filled with the bread of life those are our three points that Jesus is going to make to us today yes he is going to talk about lunchables trust me so let's look at our first point and we're going to start in verse 26 of Ch- oh, actually you know what before we do that let me let me ask our first I, I moved it around a little bit let me ask our first talking point question and I'm, I'm just going to have you give me some answers so everybody be ready for this the first talking point question says this what kinds of things are you hungry for Now, I I realize that that's a hard question to answer in a public place sometimes, so I softened it by saying, okay, what kinds of things is the world hungry for? So quickly, because I know we're already behind the time this morning. So what? Entertainment, Entertainment. being entertained, games, fame, money, acceptance, Acceptance. security, Security. comfort, Truth. Comfort. Truth. truth, or their version of truth safety. Guys, do you see, like, 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 I mean, you look around, you go, and, and, and guys, as believers, we're not immune to any of that, right? I'm looking, I'm going, yeah, I, I safety, security, right? I, I don't know about fame, but, like, like, there's certain things that we look at, and we go, we're not immune to any of that just because we're followers of Christ, but the question is, what are we feeding on? What are we pursuing? Because what captivates your mind and you pursue will eventually transform your heart, Right? And, and ultimately, if, if, if we are pursuing the wrong things, if we're craving the wrong things with our appetite, it cannot help but impact us spiritually. We cannot spend 166 hours a week pursuing the worldly things, even if they're not evil things, the worldly things, and then go two hours on a Sunday is somehow going to be the antidote for that for Jesus. Right? We have to we have to train our appetites. So as we're talking about Jesus is the bread of life, I want you to start thinking this way. Because Jesus is the bread of life, I am eternally satisfied. Right. So, if, 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 so, on to, so every week we're going to have a different one of those, but I want you to be thinking to yourself, because Jesus is the bread of life, I am eternally satisfied in Christ. And so with that, let's take a look at our first point now, um, looking at Lunchables, and we're going to start in verse 26, and we're going to hopefully move right along. Of course, I say that all the time, and then you guys know me, so, um, but let's take a look at this. It says, it says, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because, you're, not because of you saw signs, but because you were filled, uh, you, were, you ate, and f- I'm sorry, let me start over. Truly, truly, I say to you, you were seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. So I've got to back up just a step and say, what is he talking about? Well, the part of the passage that we didn't look at was was the only miracle Jesus does that's recorded in all four Gospels. It's the feeding of the 5,000. So what he's saying is, and if if you read that passage, not now, I'm preaching, but if you read that passage before our section, understand what, what happened is he... He feeds the 5,000. He puts the disciples in a boat. He sends them across the lake. He walks across the water, a scene we're going to look at in a few weeks, Lord willing. He walks across the water to them. Now the crowd that has just been fed to the full for free is looking for him. They can't find him. So they walk around the lake hunting him down. And they track him down and they're saying, hey, we would like to be fed again. And he's saying, he's saying, I, truly, truly is his way of saying, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. You're not looking for me. You're looking for a free lunch. You're looking for the Lunchables. Now, how many of you know what a Lunchable is? Right, good. A Lunchable. It it is convenient. It is packaged. It is a massive amount of packaging for a tiny amount of food that probably has zero nutritional value. Nothing says America like a Lunchable. Honestly. I mean, think about that. Like, and, and he's saying, guys, you're not looking for me. You are looking for the dude that fed you for free. Because can you imagine the tax breaks you would get if I was your ruler? If, my, if, if the ruler of, America, of the United States could actually, could literally give us free lunch, and not just take our money to make us think he was giving us free lunch, wouldn't it be, sorry, that was not supposed to be a political comment, but, but they're going, man, I want this dude to be my leader, because I can eat well, and it costs me nothing, Guys, they were looking for the blessing that they had received on the mountaintop, but they weren't looking for the one who was the blessing who was standing right in front of them. So he's saying, I, in a little, well, we'll get there. So look at verse 27. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do? to to be doing the works of God. And Jesus said, this is the work of God. This is the only thing God expects of you, that you would believe in him who he sent. Guys, do we believe on Jesus Christ? Do we believe that we can get fully sustained in Christ regardless of what happens to us in the world? Or are we looking to him for for our version of the free lunch? Look at your second talking points question. Let's get your second talking points question. How's your diet? Are you, are you dying of spiritual anorexia? Perhaps you are coming to God like a vending machine, looking for him to sustain you with the junk food of this world. Like, is your prayer life God just sort of asking for stuff? Or maybe you're eating a healthy, you're on a healthy meal plan. What are some ways you can tell when you're eating poorly? What are some ways... Now, guys, if, if the spiritual... Because you've got to remember, what, what, look at what he says, go, going back to um, verse 27. He says, don't look for the food that perishes. He's talking about like like in this world, but the food that endures to eternal life. He's saying, don't look at the earthly things. Look at the kingdom things. Look at God's kingdom things. Look at the spiritual. And he's going to press this spiritual point home throughout the rest of our passage. So, but But if that part of it, eating healthy spiritually... Um, isn't really something to, like even physically. So just take a minute, turn to the people you're sitting next to, and how do you know, like practically, how do you know when you're eating poorly? Go. Okay, again, in the interest of time, keep things moving. Tell me what, what are what are some things you came up with? Well, how do you know you're eating poorly? Heartburn. Heartburn. Okay, <laughs> good. That's true. Heartburn. You eat the wrong stuff. It doesn't agree with you. Blah. All right, good. What else? What? Crabby. And I see Audra pointing back to Adam, like, okay, like 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 this is reality. Awesome. Yeah. Crabby. All right, because you're so you're you're irritable. Good. What else? Lazy. Lazy. What? The things, the things of this world. So you're consuming the things of this world. So you start looking at your schedule and go, like last week, how much time did I spend on this kingdom, and how much time did I spend on the next kingdom? Great, awesome. What? Any? A couple more. Selfishness, Selfishness. good. Negative thoughts. Negative thoughts. Tired, fatigued. Guys, and isn't it interesting that so many of those things work in the physical realm and the spiritual realm? Like when we eat well spiritually, or when we or or eat well physically. We have more energy, we're more positive, we're more encouraged. Like, it's, it's interesting. Why? Because those two worlds for believers are not bifurcated. They're not separated like we want to make them. As born-again, born-again believers, born of the Spirit, that means we've been partially transferred into the spiritual realm. So if we don't eat good spiritual food, that part of us is, is anorexic. It's malnourished, just like we're still in the physical world. So if we don't eat well physically, we get all those things as well. So let me show you quickly what what good food looks like. Here's just one place in Scripture, Psalm 119. You can just jot down the verse references if you want. Here's here's how God says his word, or the psalmist says God's word is the right food. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word, Psalm 119.9. My soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to your word, Psalm 119.25. My soul weeps because of grief. Strengthen me according to your word, Psalm 119.28. Guys, get get how these are all touching different parts of our lives. This isn't all just read the word and you're going to be strengthened, or you're going to be, like, it's touching all, we've talked about weeping, we've talked about, he's already talked about, um, like, my soul cleaving to dust, I'm just worn out, we'll keep going, my May your loving kindness comfort me according to your word. The psalmist is saying, guys, what I heard a lot of praying about in my own heart, too, was we all are in a place where we need continual comfort. And what the psalmist is saying is God does it according to his word. May your loving kindness also come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your word. Last one, sustain me according to your word. Word that I may live. That is where our spiritual food is. And Jesus is going to press that point home here in just a minute. Guys, this is why those verses, this concept is why we changed the name of our church to Cross Train. It's why we're doubling down on not just helping you know God's truth, but we want to help you teach God's truth. We want you leading D groups, not just being in them. You know why? Not because we want more D groups, because if you really want to know something about Jesus, if you really want to know an aspect of Jesus, if you really want to know Jesus as the bread of life, teach him as the bread of life. Be a teacher, not just a hearer. If all you do is sit here and hear and listen, the Holy Spirit in his power absolutely will use this. His word will never return void. But you want to really look like Christ, start taking what you're learning and passing it on to other people and watch and see how you become more like Jesus Christ. That's why we're doing what we're doing. So, The the question is, how's your appetite? Are you feasting on, are you like looking for Lunchables, or are you feasting on frozen food? So what in the world do I mean by that? Let's pick it up in verse 30. He says, so they said to him, then what sign do you have that we see that that, that we might believe in you? What work do you perform? Are you kidding me? Who are these people again? What have they just seen him do? five loaves and two fish, and he fed probably close to 15,000 plus people with that. Because the 5,000 was just the dudes. They just watched him to the point that they walked around the, 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 um, the Sea of Galilee to find him. This was not like, oh, we forgot. The whole reason they were looking for him was because of the sign he showed them. And yet they're saying, so what sign are you showing me? They are trying to bait him. Look, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. They're trying to bait the Son of God into performing another miracle. And you know what? If I was him, I'd have probably done it. I'd have probably been like, hey, Dad... um, like, how about a truckload of food right on top of them right now? Like, just, just do it. And you'd be like, miracle! But he doesn't. Okay, so we'll keep going because he's Jesus. Praise God. Right? Look at what he says. Verse 32. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, remember he's saying, I tell you the truth. I say to you that it wasn't Moses that gave you the bread from heaven, but if the Father gives the true bread from heaven. For the bread, God. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. That phrase "comes down from heaven" is used six times in this passage. Six times. When God repeats Himself, we should listen. He is saying that part. There's this. There's this part. There's this kingdom, God's kingdom, and it is. It is coming. And someday soon, he will reunite those two kingdoms perfectly. But Jesus is saying, comes down six times, supernatural, into the natural. Here we go. He says, verse 34, they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus says, here's the statement, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. Guys, remember, John 4 you're going to read about it this week in your daily readings. Guys, if you're not getting the In the Word today, the daily readings, they're, on, they're in your bulletin, they get emailed out. Guys, you've got to start getting them because there's so much to these seven I am's that I am not going to be able to touch on. But the Holy Spirit, as you read the passages I'm skipping, like John 4, right, where Jesus talks to the woman at the well and says, I am living water. Right? That's what he's referring to here. That's what, he, that's what he's saying, but never thirst. You're going to read about that this week if you're doing your daily readings, which is another reason you ought to be in the D group. So he's saying, yes, now you say, wait a minute, where, where are you getting this idea of frozen food? And, I, and I'm gonna skip some, some verses here They were already read to you by Caitlin, but guys, look at verse 40. For this is the will of the Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Guys, understand this. They're, they're looking back At some past miracle, going, hey, this is how, what they're looking for is a deliverer. God's people, the Messiah to them, is the one that is going to deliver them physically from Roman occupation, just like Moses delivered God's people in the exodus of the the Egyptians. So they're looking for this physical release from slavery, and Jesus is saying, no, no. I am the spiritual release, because your your real slavery isn't physical. You're not really under Roman occupation. You are in enemy-occupied territory called the world, Satan. And I am the one who will release you from that if you will believe it. And guys, when we are in Christ and Christ is in us, that's that's ultimately what he's saying. It's the only way we actually go from enemy-occupied territory to his kingdom is when is when, we, when he comes into us. And, and all of this talk about the bread of life and even the living water and what we're gonna see in a minute, which is some really hard teaching that, he, that even his disciples have a hard time with, is all about him saying, guys, the, the release from your bondage is me in you. It's why Paul says, Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's it, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. As you're looking at the seven I am's over the next few weeks, as, we're, as you're reading your word, be thinking to yourself, I'm in Christ. I'm, my identity is in Christ. I am victorious in Christ because that's where it comes from. But their hearts are completely frozen. If you keep reading in verse 42 and on, he, he's, they're, they're arguing with him about this past blessing and the blessed one is standing right in front of them. And guys, before we, pick, before we go, look how we're... Di- and we're gonna, you're going to read about that in some of your daily readings this week in Exodus and then again in, um, I think it's Numbers this week. But you're going to read about that. But guys, before we start pointing our fingers at them, we have to remember, we are them. Remember when I said, hey, what are some ways that we eat poorly? And We're, just, like, like we're, we're not immune. To every, almost every one of us is guilty of, of more than one of those poor diet choices on a regular basis, right? Just like they were. They're looking for another Moses, and Jesus is the better Moses, right? The whole book of Hebrews is all about how Jesus is the better Abraham, the better Moses, the better David. Jesus is the better one. Guys, take a look at um, your last talking point. Talking point number three. Jesus is the better Moses, the better manna. They're, they're, they're wanting, guys, so back, just real quick, because I, I, I don't think I really, it's a frozen food. So this, it's, this idea of, it's this idea of like, you know, you, you had a good meal this weekend or something, and, and you had some leftovers, so you put it in the freezer. And tomorrow I show up at your house with like, you know, filet mignon, or whatever your, lobster, or whatever your thing is. And you look at me and you go, yeah, no thanks, I got some stuff in the freezer. Right? like That's really what they're doing here. Jesus is showing up saying, hey guys, f- feed on me and you will have eternal life. Is the, I am the best meal you can ever have. And they're looking back going, no, I, I, it's okay, I, we've got some stuff in the freezer, we just want to go back there and have that again. But, but if you remember from the passage that John started in Exodus 16, were they satisfied with the manna in the wilderness? No. Why? Because it can't satisfy. And that's really where Jesus is going to go next. Look at verse 40. Truly, truly, I say to you, verse 47, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will have eternal life because I am the bread of life. So that's the last, our last point. So how is your appetite? Are you looking for lunchables? Are you feasting on frozen food? Are you, or are you forever filled with the bread of life? And, and he says right there in verse 48, guys, I am the bread of life. Now look at verse 49. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven. There's that phrase again. So that, so that one may eat of it and not die. He's saying, guys, the old bread, the bread that you're longing for, those fish sandwiches I made for you on the other side of the lake, I could keep making those for you forever and ever and ever and right up until the day you die because they're not gonna save you. Just like manna, guys, he's saying, they ate, yeah, okay. The father gave them manna. How many of them are left? None. He's saying, because the physical food doesn't save you. And then he keeps going, but I am the living bread. He's not just the bread of life. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give will And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. I'm going to read that again because it's massively beautiful. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we beheld his glory. Glory of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. Right? We celebrate that. That's what we're celebrating at Christmas, right? The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. John 1.14 we got to jump to John 1.29. And behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right? How? The cross. My fl- this life I give is me. He's saying my life for yours. It's called the great exchange. And it is the best news the world has ever heard. And so if you look, you keep reading. He says, I'm not sure where I left off. Verse 51. Verse, so starting in verse 52. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Now here's that hard teaching, because it does seem hard, but here's what I'm going to ask, and it was so cool that, that Brian, he didn't know this was going to happen, that Brian started us this way, there's Brian on the, uh, during the prayer time, and that a few other people prayed this way. That the, guys, we have to read these passages, not with physical eyes, but with spiritual eyes. Which you can only have if you're born again. It is the passage in Ephesians 1 that I read during our prayer time: that the spiritual eyes of our heart might be might might be enlightened, that we would behold the beauty of him. The Him is Him, the I Am. Right? So he's saying, so 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 as I'm reading this, be thinking spiritually. He says, the Jews disputed among themselves, what he's flesh? Like seriously? Cannibalism? He says, so Jesus said to them. I tell you the truth, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Guys, here's the thing. The, the phrase that he, the, when he talks about eating his flesh, he is talking about the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Remember what he said about, and the, what, what became flesh? The word became flesh, and made his dwelling among us. So when he says, and so, so, so make that connection. He's saying if, if you, he, he's talking about this idea of eating my flesh, which is the bread of life that we're talking about today. Which, oh by the way, is the word of God. Because the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. It's his way of saying, guys, unless you get my word into you. And then he keeps going, and you drink my blood. That word for blood there, that idea for blood there, is the water he's talking to the woman at the well about. And unless you're born of spirit, because in that passage with the woman at the well, do you remember what he says? The hour is coming. If you don't, you'll remember it when you read it this week. But it says, the hour is coming and now is here, that those who worship God will worship him in spirit and in truth. For God is looking for those who will, for God is spirit and truth, and he is looking for worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And so, what what Jesus is saying here is water, blood, blood, water, spirit, flesh, bread, word. He's saying, as, as you get the word of God, you're my word into you, and as you get my spirit into you, you will live forever. Because look what he says in verse 54. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks on my blood, here's the key. Whoever, so read it this way. Whoever feeds on my word and is filled with my spirit abides, is connected, is in me, and I in him. We are in Christ because Christ is in us, and we have to understand that. Guys, it's why in 1 Corinthians 11, the passage where Paul talks about communion, he says, I received from you what was of first importance, that on the night that Christ was betrayed, right, he sat down to have the Passover meal with his disciples, and he says, this is my body broken for you. Take this and Eat. And do this in remembrance of me. I am the bread of life. And this is my blood shed for you, for the forgiveness of sin. Drink this until the day of my return. For as often as you take this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. He is saying, guys, over a year before, so I'm not sure which of this would be for you guys, over a year before he's having his last Passover meal with his disciples is the scene we're looking at right now in John 6. Sometime after that is the scene we talk about in 1 Corinthians 11 for communion. Jesus right now is pulling us forward as he's still walking among them. He's pulling us forward into this place of this is what communion in me looks like. Now guys, I understand, especially if you're sitting here, I remember one of the books I had to read as an unbeliever, or one of the, I mean, we had to read the New Testament as an unbeliever at Grand Canyon College back then, and I remember reading John, everybody, you know, starting, starting the Gospel of John, and I remember getting to this, and I'm like, what in the world kind of freak show are you Christians living in? <laughs> like seriously, like eat bread, which is exactly what their point was. Why? Because the spiritual eyes of my heart were darkened by the evil one. Right? Because Paul tells us that. The same guy that says, I pray that your eyes would be enlightened, he's also the one who says that their eyes have been darkened by the God of this world that they might, that they might not be able to see the glory of the gospel that is Jesus Christ. And that was me. So, I, so guys, if you're sitting here today and you're going, man, that just seems so weird to me. One, you are normal. Even as a believer, frankly, it still feels a little weird when you, when you read it, unless you read it with spiritual eyes. And then it starts to make sense. But, but so that we understand we're in good company, jump over to verses 66 through 69. So here's what's gonna happen, and we're gonna actually go into our time of response with this. After this, so after he's taught all this stuff about flesh eating and blood drinking, it says, his, deci- his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So guys, there were a lot more people than just the 12 with him there. And then he says to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Like, am I just too hard for you? Like, is this just too hard for you? And for once, bless his heart, <laughs> good old Simon Peter, if you are at retreat last week, you know this is not common for him to get it right. He says, Lord, to who will we go? You have the words of life. For we have believed and we have come to know that you are the Holy Spirit.